This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the Books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Six Hour. My guest today is Andrew Arabito. He is the owner and founder of Half Face Blades. They make amazing blades like this. You might remember them from certain chapters in the terminal list right here and the other novels as well. And uh, we did a collab not too long ago. So made these right here, the Hunter Skinners for Savage Sun. And uh, this thing's just beautiful. Love this thing. So if you haven't checked him out, you can go to halffaceblades.com and you can go to halffaceblades on Instagram as well. And he is spec operator on Instagram. So uh, check those out and enjoy the podcast. Let's see. Let's start off a little bit. Um, can you just bring me through? Uh, let's start. Let's just talk knives. Okay. So uh, let's start with that and then we'll see where it goes. But uh, talk to me about your first knife. And what do you have right now? So people that are just um, kicking this off, half face blades. Yeah, half face blades yep. kind of started uh, a little over five years ago. Um, it kind of started, I was, I was having some, I had gotten out of the military. Um, did you make any while you were in the military? No, did I didn't. Either? I did before when I was kind of young with my older brothers, yep. just kind of crude instruments, crude tools out of old leaf springs, you know. Yep. Just always been an outdoorsman. So that's kind of the history of uh, me being an end user. So being an outdoorsman, uh, outdoor family, we're always camping, you know, fishing, backpacking, everything. And then uh, I was doing survival trips to Montana and everything in high school and lived in Alaska a few different summers during high school and just always spent my time in the outdoors. And whether I'm running around with a hatchet or a knife or a pocket knife or a fixed blade, I always had one on me. Yeah. You know? And then in the SEAL teams, you know, for 10 years, of course, used knives. Um, you know, whether it's Leatherman, we always were carrying a fixed blade, usually a Leatherman or a multi-tool and a yeah. folder. So I used knives in that sense of, you know, in the combative way. And then I got out, I was working um, with another team, gone to business, and then that was taking a lot of time. And I was doing a little bit of advising up in Hollywood on movie stuff. And one day I was like, man, it kind of just dawned on me, like thinking about being with my older brothers, grinding knives and my buddies that are still active duty and, um, you know, wanting to go to war with them. And I was like, well man, maybe I should just make some knives because I know what I want out of uh, a knife in the end. I know what, how to use it. I know what it can do, you know, and I want to make it purpose-driven. So I was like, well, I'll just design a few for my buddies that are still active. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I started. What did you use steel. as material? Did you use it? Are you back to leaf springs now? Or are you, no, like, you know, I, I actually and... did my research and I was like, okay, what are guys using for grinders now? You know, two by 72 inch belts. And I just really dove in. I went to some blade forums and all it was in blade forums was just discouraging stuff. Oh man. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a bunch of dudes in their basements. Like, I don't yeah. know. They just like knives, but they're not purpose driven or something yeah. like that. Anyway. So I, I just, you know, exited out of blade forms and then go back to that and just did my research on grinder, you know, grinders, new steels, you know, American steels, super steels, the metallurgy of that. And I just, you know, went with S35 VN cause I wanted good blade and edge retention. Okay. So that's still what you use now. Yeah. A lot of the steel, I use CPM 3V and I'll do some, some Damascus here and there and everything, but use that S35 and started making those real kind of a simple design. I didn't want to get too complicated in the beginning, you know, I was learning. So was it the crow? Or no, was it the that was the, it was just a series one. Okay. You know, series collectors at them now for yeah. those that have them. Well, the first 50 I numbered and then I just did a five year anniversary. I did a 51 through 101 and numbered them. So those nice. all got taken up as well. Awesome. Yeah. 
that the crow scout was the third design okay i did and i have i have many of those in the house yeah. um and uh so so you made those those early ones gave them out to or yeah well you know 50. i was just taking pictures of my learning process you know yeah. and just did social media and so I had buddies that were already like, yeah, of course I'll take one. And I had civilian friends like, oh, I want one too. You know what I mean? So I started, I was like, oh, I'll just do 10. And then I was like 20. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to do 50. Nice. So I had just had like plastic fold-out table. And I was under the awning in my backyard. And it was like, I put brown paper. I put the knife down, write their name and what they wanted and go from there and finish the knife, set it back down, you know? Dude. And that's how it started. You know? Awesome. As well. And do you, do you have pictures of that? I haven't seen you post pictures um, of the early days. Before. I have, I have pictures. I want to see some day. of those. I love yeah. pictures like that. Old school ones. Yeah. We see guys just, uh, when they're first starting out in their garage with whatever it is, yeah. but particularly it seems like, uh, like knife making lends itself to oh, some man. pretty sweet pictures. Of you yeah. Like and you know what? They're so crude away. still. And like the grinds aren't even and the handles, like I could have done them so much better and that we're so much farther along now. And so when I see people send pictures of their knife back in the day like yeah. that, and I'm like, hey, you know, I refurbished <laughs> for free. Like, send it in. I'll nice. refurbish it. You know, I'll make it look new. And they're like, no. Yeah, people probably I don't want, want you to yeah, touch exactly. it. I want that old grinds. And, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Dude, and so when did you start switching over to make the, I mean, these things are works of art. For those of you that have not uh, seen these things, go to halffaceblade.com, uh, yeah. right? And then yep. uh, Instagram, uh, halffaceblades. Uh, beautiful photos. The photos are amazing. I remember I was asking you, dude, what kind of camera do you use? And you're like, uh, iPhone. my iPhone. And I just got the new iPhone, so I'm going to take a little better ones. They're, you know, they're awesome. But so when did it turn? Uh, they're always, you know, purpose driven. You can always use them outside. You can always uh, take them in the back country. You can always take them into combat. Um, but they're beautiful. So when did it turn? Were they always like that from the beginning? There was, a, there was always that artistic side to it where um, there was just this, yeah, this functional beauty to them because they're different than anything else out there. Like you can see, there's no like, oh, is that a half face blade? Right. No. Right. You, you know yeah. it's a half-face blade. Yeah. Uh, when did that come into the picture? Um, you know, I didn't have anybody teach me, and I really like, you know, Burrowwood and, and the beauty of it, yeah. you know. And so from the first ones, you know, I was like, I got some Redwood Burl, and I got some Micardin G10, which so many knives are made of Micardin G10. It's, it's great material. It's strong yeah. material. It's not really expensive. But I really like that Burrowwood and stuff like that, you know. So I don't, I think that from the beginning, I was trying to use some of those materials, you know, and then... And then I was like, one day off the top of my head, I was like, oh man, what if I could combine these materials, you know, yeah. have to get all the perfect grinds. And then I was like, oh, look at this turquoise. Oh, I could combine that. And well, I could put copper here. So, awesome. so really that progression, and it, you know, it takes time. Like I said, we're five years in and so much cleaner and, and everything that we were before. And now it's like, we can get as intricate as someone wants or what we want to do as, or we can just get as tactical, dark yeah. and sinister as we want as well. Yeah. You know, but it constantly changes and gets better, you know, but at the end of the day, the design itself, I can make it really pretty, but the design itself lends itself to being, being able to be used, you know, and yeah. being really purpose driven. And that yeah. really was the focus. Right. Yeah. You always talk about that, but man, they're, they're beautiful knives. And, uh, I mean, they're so awesome that I of course used one in my novels and, yeah. uh, in the terminal list, uh, which was the first novel. There's a very graphic scene and there's a few graphic scenes in there. Very, it's a little bit violent, but uh, there's one where, of course, the Carambito comes out and, uh, and disembowels someone. And when I was a little worried about that scene, sending that to New York, because I didn't, you know, just going off to Simon & Schuster, it's just going off to this publishing house right. in New York. And, and, uh, you know, and they ended up loving it. But I went back there and it's, uh, we're at this meeting and it's kind of like a, like a happy hour type meeting thing. And I see this one lady looking at me from across the room. And I know she wants to say something and she's looking and I'm like, oh man, she's like going to say something about the, how violent it is or whatever. And then she, she walks over and we start, uh, 
we start talking and she says, you know, that one scene we have that knife that's all curved <laughs> and you cut that guy's guts open. I'm like, yeah. She's like, I loved it. I was like, nice. <laughs> wow. Awesome. That's so awesome. I was super fired up that uh it's that's like one of people's that's people the chapter that people talk about more yeah, than any I other get, chapter. I get, you know, I get a DM and it and it's your book, of nice. course. And it's like, I just read that scene. That's so awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. We just got a t- you know, I just got a uh, we just got a, a DM maybe about ten minutes ago. Oh, nice. you know, oh yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. It's like I want one of those knives. Like, Sweet. Awesome. Well, they're gonna have an opportunity because we're gonna right. do something together here for uh, I think in the springtime or something. But uh, we'll do some cool design that uh, have, uh, connects itself back to the book, and I'll have a have a book, uh, the blade, and then we'll uh, uh, put them up there, and all the profits will go to support veteran focus foundations. So That'll we'll we'll do that here in the in the springtime. But uh, all right, let's take it back even further. Um, so I think I know a little bit about your background, but I never get to like ask and, and dive in and, and, uh, and get even uh, more personal, but, but here right. like, we can, cause right. I've got you on the headset. <laughs> so, uh, so growing up, um, uh, it was Northern California. Yep. Start first. Right. And, uh, and just always just driven to get outside, get outdoors or did yeah, your parents like, drive you? Did your brothers do that? I was like home birth in a fifth wheel trailer while they were building extension onto the barn. Dang, where I live, where my mother still rents, actually. Yeah, you know, so up in Angwin, actually, in Northern California, okay. there's Napa Valley, Napa County, Napa Valley. You go northern Napa Valley, you have like St. Helena, Calistoga, the little yeah. towns on the eastern s- slope yeah. of St. Helena, Calistoga. There's a little tiny town called Angwin. Okay, and that's kind of between St. Helena. You could drive up the hill, go through Angwin, go down through Pope Valley, out towards Sacramento, out there. Okay. Um, anyway, that's where I grew up, and I had an older sister, two older brothers. And what brought uh, your family up there? Were they there for a while? You know, my, my grandfather, I would believe, there's a college there, Pacific Union College. My grandfather was a business manager there years ago, and my mom had went to college there, and then they had all moved away, and I think my grandpa had moved back. So I think I eventually, I, they lived in Fort Bragg originally, up the coast. Fort Bragg on the coast, yeah. Right, I used to right. dive for abalone up yeah, there. Yeah, I dove uh-huh. up for abalone up there, too. <laughs> right, like, uh, Good stuff. Glass Beach and some pretty cool spots up yeah, there. Yeah, Salt Point, I think, is one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would, uh, when I got my scuba diving license, I was like, you know, this would help me. You know, when I was in high school, I was like, I'm going to be in the SEAL teams. This, this will help me. I went and got my scuba diving license. I did the same thing, probably on I the same beach. Even, yeah, it was so miserable. It's <laughs> so cold. You can't see anything. You couldn't know see sharks. anything. I was nine years old. My dad lied because you had to be 12, I think. And so he was like an attorney. So he, oh, yeah, he stretched the truth. I don't want to say oh, for yeah. anyone listening. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so he we stretched your age. <laughs> Well, quite a bit. And back then, they didn't make kid You probably wetsuits. had a beard that big when you were nine, <laughs> though, too. I don't. I had a, uh, yeah, no, I was a little skinny little guy. So in that water, it, it freezing, <sighs> and especially when you have no body fat on you as a nine-year-old, yeah. um, you know, fourth grader, I think I was. Uh, and they didn't make wetsuits for kids back then. So I have these oh, pictures man. of me with, like, in this wetsuit, and the wetsuit's off my hands, and it's <laughs> off my feet, and I'm just, like, on this beach looking totally miserable. So those are, like, moray boogie awful. wetsuits with the bright... The bright sleeves. They were. This was just like straight up blacks. This is 1983. <laughs> no, the first ones like that. Out. No, no, wait. No, yeah, 1982, 83. That's when I was born. So, <laughs> so a little bit older. But uh, I remember going, going out there off the beach, getting out there, freezing, and then all of a sudden, uh, letting the air out of that buoyancy so uh, go down and just dark and murky. I can't see anything. Frozen. Yep. It was awful. It, it was, was so awful. Uh, I don't think so. it helped me. Uh, you know, I don't really don't think, I think it was, it didn't help me. I think just the doing it, just anything that, where you push yeah, yourself you know, forcing past yourself. that, uh, into it that wasn't comfort the actual zone. diving. It was no, no, yeah. forcing myself, like 
getting past that fear. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Okay, I'm doing it. Yeah. No, I think that was it. Yeah, definitely not the the technical side of it. It was the more like pushing yourself into the into the unknown, pushing yourself into into something that you're, you know, a little bit tentative about. Uh and then, you know, not really people always say get comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, yeah, yeah, you're uncomfortable is uncomfortable. You think about getting (laughs) eaten by a shark every two seconds. I know. Speaking of, I can't believe that people in buzz out at uh San Clemente Island have no one's been chomped. No, All and I years. saw, you know, I saw a small one. I saw two decent-sized sharks. When they Very white? Five mile. No, they were, they were cruising along the bottom. I think they were like a seven gill or something like that. Every shark I see is going to be a great white. Like, well, I, like it's my, in my head, it's going to be a great the white. The worst is we're swimming along with your buddy, and all of a sudden, he grabs your legs, and you can hear him yell underwater, and you just think he's Hate got that. something coming in with their mouth. Open, oh, you know? that's what you I think mean, the whole it'll time. Be like a, it'll be like a fish this big. He just wants you to see it. <laughs> that made my swim times better, yeah. though, I think, just thinking about that. Yeah. But... Uh, but so then I, so I did that, uh, th- those dives in Northern California, got my, got certified. And then, uh, then we went to Hawaii and did it out there. A lot nicer. Yeah. Doing it out there. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's, I dove in Fiji. That was fun. Yeah. Did a little bit of diving in Indonesia on the one of, one of my deployments. That was cool. Oh, nice. nice you can yeah. see them coming. You can see, I'm like, as long as I can see a shark coming, I can defend You're good. myself. Yeah. You can just possibly, like, do the, you know, punch it in the nose. Isn't that you're supposed to do? Take my out. That's it. <laughs> that's it, man. But, uh, but yeah, I think all that just being, being uncomfortable at such a young age and then going to buds and getting in the pool for pool comp where i think most people other than hell week i think that's where you lose a lot of people i think but oh, yeah. uh just because they're, they're not comfortable so right. and it's the hardest place to lose people because you have somebody that is just a hard charger has been crushing it all through yeah. buds everybody could like him be a great leader and then all of a sudden he gets in the water and he's just not, not comfortable. comfortable yeah i yeah. just can't It'll, do it that's something that'll definitely make you freak out like feel like you're drowning and i and i love that part it's my favorite parts yeah. of buds it was relaxing pool comp uh, and then, uh, what was the, not drown proofing, but, uh, life-saving because yep. it's the only life-saving. time you got to put your hands on an instructor. The rest of the time they're just yelling at you and doing yeah. all that stuff. And you just got to take it and do your push-ups and all yep. that stuff. But this is the time you get to put your hands on them. And, uh, and, and I then they dead weight. It. They try to pull you down. Exactly. Cool compact. It was, it, if you're comfortable in the water, that's the best break you get in buds yep. between just getting your ass beat all the time. It's like, you know, or go hit the surf. You're like, Oh, finally, you know, or <laughs> you're going to have to do you know, elevators in the pool at 15 foot section up and down. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. That's easy. That's like, that's the most relaxing you're going to get. Well, I, I think you see the guys on the side of the pool that had uh, failed once, failed twice. I think you get like a push two position. and then you like it, you get four chances. I think it rolled. was. And then you're rolled. Yeah. yeah. Um, or they can use an excuse just to get rid of you right. or whatever right. it is. But, um, but you see people on their like last attempt and they're there and they're a solid dude. And you're like, Oh, I know. Man. I remember like, I can't buddies. imagine. You see that face. It's awful. Luckily I, luckily I made it the first time through that uh, one just because I was like, Oh, yeah, this is awesome. Same. You know, that was the first time. Me up and down. You're like spending all your energy. I'm just going to chill. And then I'm going to go through my procedures, get my air yeah. back on and I'm going to keep going. Yeah. No so issues. I love that. There, but you, you know, when you talk about those first times, like, like you said, when you're younger doing that dive and stuff, when you can accomplish those, little battles right like okay i'm not gonna let this fear overcome me and that's you're smaller right so it's harder you don't want to give in and be like okay i'm i'm not gonna do this you know what i mean but you accomplish those little things i think that's how somebody becomes mentally strong in the future right when they're older and stuff oh, yeah. is just those little those little battles is saying okay i'm gonna do this no matter the fear i'm gonna accomplish mm-hmm. this i'm gonna learn this i'm gonna overcome this it may be these little things in your life right that you're doing that too when you're younger but all those things build, and then it becomes easier to say no to your fear and easier to say no to stopping, you know what I mean, and not accomplish something. It yeah. becomes easier to say, no, I know I can do this. I've done this before. Exactly. Accomplished this before. Imagine not 
testing yourself or not having been pushed either internally yeah. or by, by a coach, by a parent, whatever it is, all of a sudden you're 25 years old, you're 26 years old, and then you face some adversity. Right. Um, that's, that'd be tough. Uh, that'd be yeah. extremely difficult. You wouldn't, not know, to push you wouldn't yourself. know, you know, yourself, you wouldn't, you'd be doubting yourself and what yeah. you can accomplish because you haven't you know, been tested like that or you haven't had a history of overcoming. Yep. Yeah. I think know. that, that helped, uh, pushing myself in the back country. We said like, um, we, as a family, we backpack yeah. in the Sierras and that sort of thing as well. And then, uh, I did cross country as a kid, um, cause I was skinny and I was fast yeah. and, uh, we were in the kind of the hill, hills. And so running those mountains, running those hills, like that helps. Single track. Even though I'm like, uh, you know, even though it's fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like that stuff helped me when I was yeah. 21, 22, oh, 23, easily. like in the SEAL teams and in Buds. Easily. I thought back to those times, like running those hills and how hard that was. And same for guys that probably wrestled and did football yeah. and two a days and all that sort of thing. I'm glad I ran more than I wrestled or did. I didn't do football. I, like I grew up skateboarding, dirt biking, and then I ran, you know, I wanted to be a SEAL since like fifth or sixth grade. My cousin got me a Navy SEAL workout book and like, so when high school came around, like sophomore year, I was like, hey, I know what I want to do when I get out. And I would, I'd, you know, after school, I'd run to work. I'd run home. I'd run over to my mom's office. I'd run, you know what I mean? I ran everywhere those last few years, nice. everywhere, just to push myself. Yeah. And, man, I was so stoked to be the skinny guy in Buds. It yeah. was just less chafing. Like, I didn't have, you know, I had some shin splints, but I always up front of the pack. Like, I felt bad for those big dudes. You I know, know the mean? chafing stuff. I didn't have any yeah. chafing either, but the He's guys that had the big weight, the big, like, leg, big thighs, yeah. I guess, that are just, like the sands in there. They're getting yeah. crushed. Oh, that looks awful. And it's infected. And yeah. I never had that. But I, I just still, ran. you know, I got buddies that still have scars all really? along their belt lines. Oh, yeah. dude, that's rough. Um, but same thing, like I showed up at, uh, at Bud's and you see those guys that are huge and just yoked and now they must be even bigger and stronger because they're doing CrossFit. They're doing all these things that, that we didn't know about. Like you ran, yeah. I ran, and then I went to the gym and I lifted like 1980 style, Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger style. Yeah. Well, that's it. But <laughs> that's how, even in, when it was new in the team, yeah, the same thing. that's the how team, the old guys team five, same like, thing, yeah. slap you in the face, like hit the gym, like stack more weight on it. Yeah. It was just bench press. Deadlift, girls. <laughs> it was like the girls. chest and arms day every two days. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Back and bye. Try, yeah, exactly. It was no warming up, you know. Get in there, get after no it. And then we're going to go for a run. You're going to run as far as you can, right. as fast as you can right. in the sand. And that's our workout. Like yeah. totally not a wise way to do Monster things. Monster mash on but, Fridays. Uh, but guys were tough. But, uh, but guys coming in now, they must be in such great shape. Uh, but still, attrition remains the same. Yeah, and, that mental. Uh, yeah, that uh, You would think, right, if you're in that better shape, or at least my kind of mindset was, if my body is more prepared, is more healthy, it'll heal faster, right? Nice. And that's the big thing, right, buds? You get run down, you get beat up. Those whose bodies don't heal as quick, it compounds their injuries, yeah. right? So if you're younger, awesome, you heal faster. If you're in really good, um, you know, physical condition, your body can heal faster too. And that's one of the big things I think that would, you would think would help someone's mental state that their body isn't too beat up yep. yet. No, absolutely. You know? absolutely. But you're absolutely. Like, you're like you said, it's still the same attrition. Yep. Guys think, are definitely uh, more fit now. Definitely way more fit because uh, well, there's just so much more uh, there's just knowledge base about it. Right. There's grown information so much. is out there of how to be <laughs> yeah. fit. And then these guys also show up and now they, I guess you could go online and just put in Hell Week schedule and I, I'm guessing it's going to pop up. I think there's a book I oh, I saw that. There was something. I, I don't even want to say it because I'm yeah. worried about people. And you know what? It's, gonna, called, it's called How to Beat Buds or something like that. You know, I, obviously, in my mind, I would say don't. I don't think don't it do helps. Anything that you, don't don't cut corners. Like you want to be the best operator, don't cut that mental corner. Don't try to find out how you can get through this physical, you know, standard by, you know, being subpar. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's not going to help you in the end. 
No, I don't even know if the knowledge is going to help you. So I read everything I possibly right. could, but this is you still you know, got to hit 90s, those calls. There wasn't very much. There wasn't very much like right. out there about it. Right. But if you go in today with all that knowledge and then you start Hell Week or something like that, and you're like thinking about Friday's schedule because you have looked right. at it and you've memorized it online, yeah, it's more to worry about. Yeah, you're like, oh, geez, wait a second, they switch it a little bit or whatever. Else. You know, I don't know if it helps. I just don't. I, know I agree if it with helps. you that now you now you maybe know too much, yeah, think, and you're always worried, right? Instead of just being like. I'm here. Yep. Bring Tell it. me what to do. Beat me. I'm not going to quit. Yep. Which is pretty much the easiest thing you do in the teams right. looking back is show up at the right place at the right time right. with the right gear and don't quit. Like right. those four things. Yep. Like that's it. Shut that's up, all you need do. to do in buds. And then right. you get it's out of buds, you little got more to you do. You got a schedule. They got the schedule. You just do They're going to tell say. you. You're not making, right. you're, you're not making essentially it's, any decisions. It's the most structured environment ever. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Your decision, your only decision is whether to quit or not. Right. That's it. And so if you just simply decide not to, and eat, someone's going to tell you when to do push-ups, they're going to tell you when to run eat. the course, they're yeah. going to tell you when to start to run. Yeah. Well, uh, can't all be that, that hard. <laughs> Looking back, you know. that's probably the easiest things I did in the teams. Was it was that. fun, too. But then we get to the teams, and it, it's same for you. So what year did you go, go through? Uh, oh, oh, three. Oh, three. So you yeah. already came 2002. in. 9-11 happened. So where were you on 9-11? You in- uh, I was working. I was up in England. I, was, um, I had actually, my senior year in high school, I quit and moved to Montana. Lived in Montana You can quit high school? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that was, that. I was, I did. I, said, I did not know that was an this. option. Well, I, I did seventh and eighth grade one year, so I was a year ahead of my class. So I was like, I don't know. I think I was just miserable in my senior year. And so I was like, man, screw this. We had some family friends in Montana. I went up and worked on a ranch. No kidding. And then came back down at the end of that. So the following year, I knocked out. I had like three classes I needed to do to get my diploma. And then yeah. I joined, so I just knocked those out. I worked. I was an EMT. Okay, so September 11th had happened. Yeah. You know you know where you're going. And yeah. is that time? I had my really close buddy joined. I grew up with. He joined a year before me, Derek Benson. Okay. Yeah. And he, did he get to the teams? Yeah, yeah he was out. At, he, he died in um, Extortion 17. Oh, man. Cold squadron. Got it. You know, but I grew up with him. One year before me, I was like, oh, man, I shouldn't have quit and moved to Montana. You know, yeah. I got in a year before me. Oh, man. And then... Uh, and so you get back and you sign up and you go to boot camp. Yep. And do they have, they don't have uh, Bud's prep yet, right? No. So they had scruff duty then. I but that. I didn't scruff duty. They like had, would keep guys around for a little while. And yeah. I'm not sure exactly why. Because really it was like, I chose the shortest A schools, aviation ordinance. That's what I should have done. Pensacola. I should have done that. I didn't shorter know that there was, uh, yeah. It was a shorter one. I did, that was eight weeks. I, I did think, the longest. Yeah, that's not good. No. You know, <laughs> rigor school was the shortest. It was like was six it? weeks. AO was and, eight weeks or something like that. Nice. Like, hey, it was like boot camp. I had no boot idea. Camp, um, a school, and then you know everyone went out to the regular navy. I got my orders. To yeah. Beds. So same with me, but I chose yeah. poorly. Um, I think it was that. It was like well, you had to wait for the startup, and then once you finished, you had to like wait for the bud start to get get there. So the full thing was like sixteen weeks um, plus the you know, either side there. So it was a little while. Yeah, it was a little while, but that's it was good. It was good. Intel. I'm like, oh, Intel. Yeah, that's that's me. Check the box, and off we went and did that. And it actually ended up being a good good foundation. Uh, for what I was going to do, yeah. could do later, but um, but yeah, worked out. Guys, the teams, but same thing, same thing. Had hey, I mean, they, uh, longer you could work out, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's all it was. It's just a little bit of time. The to, thing is, you might be out. you're ready, and it's like I see guys, you know, waiting around to go. And I've had a few buddies I've mentored, and it's like it's hard not to lose motivation when you have to wait to show up. I mean, yeah. once you get there, I think that motivation kicks in again because you need guys have this the same mindset, they want the same thing, they push each other, you drive each other, you. You know what I mean? You make those friends. You're all in that together. Right. Your motivation kicks up again. You know what I mean? But I've seen, had buddies that um, maybe got rolled and they had to go back in two years. And it was like the hardest thing for them to keep that motivation to go back. Yeah. And then you show up at Team 5. Yeah. And so for me, 
I got there and I thought I was going to get the pager. I thought the Golden Conics box would open and I thought we'd get the little buzz go off and say, oh, you're going to go save the world, save the princess, <laughs> and then come back in time for beers, you know, at the, bar the next night. Not how it was nope. free September 11th. You know, it was there and they handed you that broom at Team 5. You know, sweep that, take that garbage out, paint that wall, change that light bulb, like all this stuff. Right. I was like, what? Uh, when, when do I get to save the princess? When do we go off and do this thing? And uh, that was not how it was. But after September 11th, that yep. paradigm completely shifted. And then it really became what right. I thought I was building going the schedules into. to go to war. It was crazy. Yeah. And we were all in it together back then. It seemed like. What was that like? It was awesome. I mean, it were was you, awesome. Were you at the team when the towers? I was at, uh, I deployed in my second week of deployment with and some then, guys that are actually here right now. And that's um, got to be just so surreal. Like crazy. you're like, oh my God. We're going. And when I say it was awesome, I don't happening. mean that the attack was awesome. What I mean was that um, we were all in this thing together and a paradigm was shifting and we recognized that, but not just the guys, the families, everybody, right. no matter if you were an E1 or an, you know, an admiral or general, or whatever, it shifted for everyone right. on that day. Right. Um, and now guys are coming in and you have, like you came in a couple years after, two years, still right. not figured There's out yet. guys who don't really it's still not have figured a connection out. to, I watched it, you know what I mean? Like you watched it, like it hit the news. And I was watching before that second plane hit. Yeah, there's guys the who thing. it's it's so yesterday or old in their memory because they didn't see it. You know, yeah. they were. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's so impactful to me, and why I had such drive as well. You know, I wanted yeah. to be a seal anyway, and then that happened. I was like, now I don't really want to be a seal. I'm gonna get to use that. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna get to be an operator. I'm gonna get to pull the trigger. Exactly. You know I mean? so, yeah. It's impactful, you know, to me. Oh yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, and for all our families to go through that at the same time, I think was a, that's what I mean by it being a, a special time. Right. And I can meet the guys that come in now, like it's been set up. So we're almost at 20 years and these guys are coming in now. That paradigm is set just like it was for, for me when I came in from essentially like end of Vietnam up until September 11th, yeah. uh, there was that model. And then now these guys yes. are coming into one and they're stepping in and you have people that have been doing that for 20 years now. And uh, we didn't have that. We yeah. all figured it out at the same time. And it was crazy to to uh, watch it all together on right. deployment. We thought we were going to get right after it. We thought it was going to be, all right, we're going. And we went, it took a couple of days to figure things out, but we got on planes, thought we were going to, uh, to Afghanistan. But uh, I think it was almost in the air. We switched over and we took over for Team Three yeah. uh, in uh, uh, doing the ship boardings, and they went in with the uh, yeah. some of the first guys in. But uh, so, but it was yeah. crazy. It was, it was crazy, and then it was game on, yeah. game on. If I I had any any uh, thoughts about getting out, then uh, as soon as that happened, I was like, nope, let's do this. It's so weird that there was guys who were in the teams when that happened, and a couple years after that happened, there was such a a need for private contracting. I remember guys getting out, and you would yeah. think like. You know, guys were like, uh, I'm going to get out and private contract. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Because some guys were worried they weren't going to get to the fight. Like some of them were like, I can get to the fight faster. Because we all thought we were going to miss it. That's right. the other thing. Right. So when it happened, right. we all, we were thought, oh, yes, we're on deployment. We're going to get after it. Guys are probably trying then, to switch teams to go. Yeah, everybody's trying to get in there because yeah. you don't want to miss it. Yeah. And here we are 20 years later. Look at uh, how good that mentality is, though. And then you have people that like would rather miss it. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? The, the whole reason why you join our military especially during the time of war is to go to war is to support the cause. You don't have to be the guy out in the, in the, you know, bushes pulling the trigger, but to get overseas and support what we're doing best, you know, protecting our freedom, protecting each other, protecting other countries. You know, I, I, I know of people or I've met people who join to get that education and they don't, they want to be a conscious objector, but they want the military to feed them. And you're like, what? That, to me, that's cowardice. Like, I think I heard a rumor. I don't know if it's true that a couple guys like left buds in the middle of buds, right? Like yeah. After that happened. 
I mean, crazy. Yeah, instructors. Like, oh, really? Yeah, there was oh, some geez. guys who conscious objected to get out, and then they then they went and contracted. So what? They just wanted to get overseas. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. Well, they didn't miss it, and no. then and then uh, of course, twenty years later, a lot of those guys wish they had stayed in and yeah. and uh, done they this tried route. To come back in, you know, because the contracting thing kind of got a little iffy yeah. there for a while. I mean, yeah, you could get over there, but uh, but doing the job that you signed up to do and kicking these doors yeah. and breach and get in there and uh, yeah. and do the job like that, that's a that's a select. A select number of people yeah. get to get to knock yeah, out man, of the it park. Was greatest thing in the world, like finally, finally flying out. You know, being a new guy, being I turned twenty-one right before deployment, getting in an airplane. It was so surreal, like almost like a video five, game. Right? Yeah, team five. You know, getting in an airplane, putting our gear on, getting in a C seventeen, flying out. You know, through Germany, another few more hours, and then you know, going back and forth, dropping you know, heat out the back in case, you know, getting shot at and coming in, guys, we're putting our gear on. I was like, oh my God, this is, is like a video game. Yeah. I'm coming in, you know, landing a biop, oh, taking yeah. route Irish back over there and like being new guys too, you know, we're in the back and it's like, you're puckered up tight. You're like hunkered down, your Ready guns to up. Ready to you fight realize, off the plane. You realize you every up. mile there's army dudes <laughs> and up our vehicles on route Irish, like keeping it clear, but you yeah. are just, you are, Ready you know it. you're going to get shot at. Yeah. You're ready to get it. You're just porcupine, quills out. You yeah. Know, oh, yeah. No, you I start learning to be able to relax. But, uh, man, there's, it's such it, – you go through so much, whether you decided when you were a young age, like I did, to, to join the teams and envisioned myself going to war. And then finally, under nods, in the back of a Humvee, or on a helicopter, loud cruising, you know, and, like, guns up. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the amount of time and effort and energy that you put in, your family put in, not quitting, learning as much as you can, you know, that's, that's so long. Yeah. Um, when you decided to, to join and then finally on that bird or, or in country yeah. with a weapon in your hand, man, that, yeah. the dedication, yeah. that's the hard part, you know what I mean? Buds was this much of it. Yeah. Keeping your nose clean before you went to Buds. How many guys got in trouble right before Buds and had contracts got pulled? I got I buddies that had that's that. That's crazy. You know? yeah, or right when they get to the team after going through right. all that and then they get there and they're in their first couple of weeks and they do something silly. That's I know crazy. that's rough. That's rough. But I think right. the one thing that uh, when I talk to people about it um, and it kind of helped confirm that, hey, I wasn't crazy, uh, is that most of us that did this uh, when they saw September 11th happen had some sort of a feeling inside like, hey, I wish I could have been on one of those planes. Yeah. Like I could have been there. Maybe I could have done something. so much. You right. know? And that's, that was what, and uh, it's crazy. I don't really talk about that that much, but um you know when, I think when about I, that. yeah and i think all the people that that uh that come in to do the job that uh i, I could have done so something long. different exactly like that's right. where you're you're and meant I, to be yeah i still think i could have done something different <laughs> you know <laughs> what i mean i'm like i don't take anything away from people who did something but if they didn't have you know if they didn't have guns in their hands you could take them out well, it's just it's just like where where you can make a difference where you can use yeah. that uh that mindset that drive um, that intellect even, uh, to, to crush evil. And that's right. what we're, uh, right. that's what it's all about. I like rather wake up, you know, and that first prayer at the beginning of the day is like, you know, if something bad is going to happen, let it happen around me so I could do something about it, you yes. know, versus around people who can't protect themselves. And it's like, I'd rather something happen around me where I can, what, what I, what my knowledge is, I can put that to good use to protect people. That's it, brother. That's it. Crazy. And sometimes it happens. You got that, you know, that chills. church shooting in. Yeah. In Texas, and that guy was that guy was on it right there. He was you know on I mean? it fast. Yeah, like six seconds or something like that. Yeah. Dude, amazing. amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and the then you got places it. where people aren't doing anything. Someone's 
you know, I don't know if it's active shooter or whatever. Got some, or how about when people take videos of someone getting their ass beat in the street and getting stomped and stabbed and there's four people taking videos and like, what? Where, yeah. What have we lost in, in, I don't know, human kindness or where is that human nature to want to protect those around you? You know, and I'm not, you may not even know the person, but I still want yeah. to protect them. That's a, I feel that's a, maybe that's a, I don't know, man thing, an internal thing, even a woman thing. How protect, women are protected. I don't want to take yeah. that away from them either, but it's like, well, so some people don't have it. I don't understand yeah. it. Interesting if that same thing, that same, take that same situation pre-cell phone. What do people do then? Do they, are they right. standing and watching? Or hey, come here, or maybe watch they, this. You know what I mean? Or are it's they like, doing something? Are they want to get help? Or are they intervening? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Everybody's so programmed to do this with their phone. Because right. they can get some capture attention it. from the footage. Or like, I don't know. It's just like natural sad. to like do that now. That's it's crazy. We've been programmed for that. We have Use the phone you know, to hit thousands the of years of this, of, uh, you know, of, uh, Instead of, of hunting the police, and all they're, this. they're filming it. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of, ooh, it's great. Yeah. It's a, it's reading times in which we live. That's for sure. It's crazy. But uh, all right. So we're going to, Lot yeah. to do here. We're at Shot Show 2020. Uh, what is uh, what is in the works? What is coming down the pike? I know you have a you are expanding. You are moving into yeah. a new facility. You got some new machines. Yeah. And uh, what's going on with all that? So I just went from uh, 1,900 to 4,300 square feet. Kind of took that that step. In general, I I grow. I I, I take baby steps. You know, because I really want to know what I'm doing and I want to be good at it. I want to. I don't want to overstep and do something. You know, overstretch my money or whatever it is you know yeah. what i mean my knowledge so taking this step you know it's, it's been a long time coming so i got a couple cnc mills water jet router table um new laser engraver got a got the location of course so we've just been building that out tomorrow uh friday we'll get uh, some of the machinery done and hopefully the cncs will be chipping metal here pretty soon yeah, and i so just awesome. you know i do 90 percent of what we do is just all of that custom work you know and occasionally if i want to do a run of like 200 of one of the knives i'll outsource that to a bigger knife company here in america yeah. help me out with that so i just uh i'm going to do it in-house i want to support that in-house you know everything and i want to learn folders that's a big thing too so well i have your i have your first folder i have the yeah. which one do i have the crow folder is that what it's what's the what's there's the folder? a crow and disaster folder okay so. i think i have the crow folder yeah. and uh, and i love it it yeah. is awesome and uh you know, these days it, it it mostly opens boxes for books yeah. that show up at the house these days. But uh, no, love love everything that yeah. My buddy uh, going on. that. So my buddy last year when I was elk hunting the end of the summer up at White River National National Ranch or Forest, um, he did a whole elk with his folder. His nice. Folder. I was like, dude, that's so rad. Dude, that's you know, legit. Epic. So you just went to Lanai. Yeah, that we was. We didn't amazing. even talk about that yet. Yeah, that yeah, was, it was a good time. Yeah. Yep. So you have an Eagle Beyond uh, yeah, episode, out episode out there, and uh, that went out there. Amazing trip. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. And uh, you got an axis, or multiple axes? Yeah, I got four. Nice. You know, awesome. Was, instead of shooting a big one, I was like, oh, let's get the meat. Yeah. And then uh, did you go back uh, into Nobu and work with the chef back there and see how they do any of that yeah, stuff? Yeah, you know, he had come out. I had made some knives for the trip, so he came out and used my knives just to cut up, and he was just showing me all the ways he's cutting up the meat and processing that, and he loves it. I ended up giving him that knife because he was like, dude, it's oh, the best awesome. knife I've ever used. Awesome. He's so, a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a really good guy. And they do the, uh, uh, what do they do? Like, it's, it almost looks like sushi, but it's... Uh, the capacho. Yeah, they do the capacho like with the capacho. axis. It's so awesome. It's so good. Yeah. So anybody gets a chance. Yeah. That was a cool a trip. Man. I there. didn't think we'd be able to get it. You know, I was talking to Beyond and back and forth. And I had a few trips going on, some fishing trips. And I got invited to Texas. And then I was, was fishing in Alaska. And then I was going to go hunt somewhere else. And I was trying to, I was going to go hunt in Colorado. And I was like, here's my schedule. And it was like, it wasn't looking like, we we're going to be able to do it. And then they hit me up like, hey, we'll just plan a hunting trip. Nice. Like, man, I would love to go. So awesome. it was rad. You know, we were, you know, 
went swimming in the ocean and went cliff jumping and went hunting. I saw, and, you know, I saw the jump. Was, that was crazy. I wish I had done oh. some. wish we had something higher to jump off of. Yeah. <laughs> it looked high enough. <laughs> Believe me, that looked. Uh, it was an amazing trip, man. They've been so good. So cool. Yeah. yeah. And then that episode, and it's episode four, four is that right? Episode four? Yeah. Episode, episode four, four coming out soon. Eagle Beyond, right? That's yeah. What the series called. That is sweet. Did they do any yeah. filming in San Diego? Did the knife we stuff? We did a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We did some filming in the shop, you know, did some grinding, just a little bit of everything, and then a little bit of filming at home. You know, nice. prepping the gear, getting getting stuff going, man. I just did, I didn't want to come home. Yeah, stay out there. well, you can come out any time. Right. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's my hunting operation with I my may, other I partner. Able, so. I may be getting out there um, this month and next with Mark Healy. Oh, nice. Yeah, awesome. See. And you know Nick. Yeah, who's right here yeah. somewhere? Yeah, uh, that'd be awesome. I need to get out there. I go out there one, probably once or twice a year. Um, Bob the butcher. But, uh, oh yeah, do you get to spend some time with Bob? You can't not. I mean, that is the highlight of most people's he is trip. He's so wild. Is spending man. some time with Bob the Butcher you know, yeah. on, in Lanai. He's so wild. I think Rogan did a whole podcast just about talking about really? Bob the Butcher. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, because he's been out there When a few I was times there, Rogan's and, uh, skull was sitting yeah, out there. Yeah, I took a picture I mean? of it and yes. sent it to him. Uh, but yeah, it's so rad. And, uh, and Bob's just crazy. He and does you know great what? work. He Dude, does amazing it work. Insane. It's so true. When I got the meet, you know, when I finally got the meet at home, I was going through it. Packaged good. Not a bit of fat on little bits of it. It's cut so clean. It's cleaned. Like, it, it is absolutely so professionally great. Right. packaged. There's no Labeled. blood, extra blood anywhere on it. And he was like, he wants, you know, for the taste. Like, I'm not joking. It was so good. Like, the, the rack of access was like rack of lamb. Yeah. It was that. It was I love that. Good. That's my favorite cut that he does. <laughs> yep. And it looks like a rack of lamb. You right. can, tell, you can tell people that's what it is. That's and how I did serve it. serve it like that. I did it with rosemary. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. did it with like rosemary, garlic. Um, truffle salt, truffle oil, man, it was insane. Yeah, that is the best way to do it, I think, and uh, and it looks great. The presentation is amazing. Yep. So uh, yeah, it's a it's I feel it good, very fortunate very to cool uh, very fortunate to be involved in it. Uh, that I was invited to be a part of that. So it's uh, it's pretty sweet. But that's yep. pretty much all we eat in our house. Yeah, uh, I got two uh, deep freezers. <laughs> I have my elk. <clears throat> I have my elk from last year. The year before, I did um, an elk, a scimitar oryx, and an American buffalo. I bow hunted all three. I didn't see the buffalo picks. I got to check yeah, those out. Yeah. And then, so I have that and I'm going through it, you know? So I think this next year, uh, one of my friends, I think Kelsey was like, I'm going to come and hunt one too. So we have two. Yeah. You know? But I also 2021, I'm trying to do a trip to Alaska. I'm going to do a moose. Nice. That's right. I did my yeah. moose up there. Oh, man. It was awesome. And I gave, I, there was so much meat. I gave a third of it to the, to the guy, a third of it to the processor and took a third home and we're still, still going through it. Wow. It's, uh, it's awesome. We've had some other stuff. We've been eating some other stuff as well, but, right. um, that's an amazing trip. Definitely yeah. want to go back and do that. And Alaska's then, incredible. Uh, Buffalo would be sweet. I've always wanted to do one with like, like make my own bullet and do it with the sharps old school. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, that's the way I want to do, uh, That'd be wild. uh, do one of those. Might as well go farther back. Just old, old powder, like old powder gun. Old school. Yeah. Right, Maybe like, Mr. Bo. <laughs> like you're a settler you yeah you know what just switch to bow maybe I'll do that you chase it off a cliff ride you know, a horse. Daniel Winkler he makes uh, he used to do these uh, old uh, not just knives and stuff yeah. like that but he had this old firearm when I was at his place uh, an old black powder rifle type of that something yeah. like that like something I want to kind of That'd do it epic. with the time period stuff like when I went to uh, to Mozambique and uh, had a Cape Buffalo hunt over there I wanted to do it the same way you would have done it hundred years ago. Yeah. So, uh, side by side, it's, um, you know, sweet challenge, you know, rival, you give yourself that challenge. No optic. Yeah. Imagine, you know, I, I was hunting, I hunted an elk, I don't know, maybe it was three years ago, four years ago. I first really kind of started hunting. Didn't hunt, really hunt growing up. I was a real outdoors family, but my, they were vegetarian, crazy enough. You know what I mean? So didn't hunt. We did have a neighbor, Klebe, who had chickens. Klebe with his chickens? Klebe with his chickens. Anytime, you know, foxes and coyotes, even a bear with raccoons would try to get his chickens. So he'd trap them and shoot them and hit us up, be a tenant at night, like, hey, I'm seven. My older brothers are 13, 11, like, oh, 
I got another coyote in the trap. You guys want to come over and skin it? Nice. So we'd go pick so it you up go do and skin that. it. Yeah, I think I, my brothers are making like rack and jerky, making me eat it, oh, rubbing really? poison oak on me, making me drink poison oak berry tea. Really? Because they read some Native American right. and then be rubbing Become poison immune oak to it, right? Yeah, you yeah. had a little bit back yeah. then? They were huge in the Native American culture, my older brother. So and that's where you I was the guinea pig. Got, uh, yeah. got into it through, the, through yeah. them. Yeah. We'd be out, you know, mushroom hunting and getting steady. That's dangerous dummy. to me. Yeah. I mean, that was the test dummy, though. You know, oh. eating oleander leaves, man. Guys, oh, that's rough. <laughs> so I gotta write, write down Klebe because I think it's a great name to use in a book it for a character. And it, and it is, he's that it. character. Yeah, you know what he I mean? is the guy that the name he's says an it old all. Dude, he loved his chickens. Like, dude, I love that. He um, killed a bear. You up know, Northern California. Yeah, I was eating his chickens, man. Don't mess with Cleve's chickens. No, I gotta, I gotta write all that down. That's gotta be in a book. <laughs> Absolutely, like, I, that's amazing. Um, and speaking of books, so I cannot wait to give you. And I should have sent you one chapter from the third novel just to make sure I got the knife making stuff right. I'm a little worried that I kind of that I might have messed it up, but we'll see. We'll yeah, see. You probably got it. I right. might. Uh, we'll we'll see. I did I did my research, but I should have had someone that knows what they're doing. Double check it. But uh, there's a character in there that uh, I'm very excited for you to to meet, and uh, yeah. and this character will uh, be a character in future novels as well. But cool. um, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm very excited for you to to yeah, see I'm that. Stoked, you might yeah. Uh, yeah you might recognize him. Might recognize uh, his knife company. And I had to take a couple liberties. I had to move it from San Diego to Montana. Uh, uh, even you know, better. I, I wish that. I could. <laughs> so I had to put it up there because it, so it works with the storyline. But uh, yeah, I had to, had to do that. And then it even gets better. I can't wait for the, the, other, the other part when I was talking oh, to you stoked. about the uh, Hunter Skinner uh, yep. and, uh, and if I would knife I was going to incorporate in this book. And uh, anyway, so it's a, it's a pretty cool scene. You've been with busy, the man. I'm so stoked for you. Thanks, brother. You know, I appreciate it. Really? I appreciate it. And uh, are you still getting up to, so I had to throw this in for the character as well, that he works as a part-time fall guy in, uh, in Los Angeles. Do you have anything like that on the books these days? Yeah, or? so I've been, oh man, since mid-2000, I guess July 2017, I've been on Avatar 2 with Jim Cameron. You know, nice. so How long does it take to film an oh, Avatar man, movie? Dude. I, I mean, Years. there's some days that it was, uh, there was some days it was, we did two scenes during the whole day. You know, hey, hey who's this you know? guy? Look at oh, Monty Leclerc walking yeah, by. Monty, how are you, buddy? <laughs> Good to see you, brother. Love Monty on here too. Yeah. Talk about Centurion Arms. Yeah, see what he's, he's got a, going. He's a wizard. That's right. He's a wizard. Oh, yeah, in his head, man. Great man. I was at Team Five with him. Yep. Back in the day, Solid dude. Anyway, what were we talking about? Um, uh, fall guy, Avatar. Oh yeah, yeah. So I've been, on, you know, I came on. Um, uh, doing some military advising. The stunt director and second unit director is a real good friend of mine. I've worked with him and on Logan and Turtles and Amazing. other something. Doing a little bit of just, you know, military advising. And then I was like, oh, I want to do a little bit of stunts, you know. And then when I started doing stunts, I realized, I don't really like doing too heavy of stunts. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, some of those stunts are gnarly. And so... And well, did you get thrown off the building in Benghazi I, or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, well 13 I, hours. I was yeah, 13 hours in the Benghazi film. So I, I stunt doubled. I advised on that. And I stunt doubled the main actor. And then I played one of the Delta guys coming in, you know. And you know what's wild is um, Ty was our class proctor. Oh, wow. And he pinned me. I no first tried it when way. I graduated. So, dude. Um, well, he was such a good dude. When I, we graduated, we did our class of party and pinning party, you know. And he gave me, he Amazing. pinned me, you know, and I tried it on my chest. So then wow. years later, you know, who would have known I'd be advising on the film that he you know Amazing. was killed and and then um i stunt dumbing the main actor that played him okay you know what i mean and i was yeah. like if anybody gets to you know do this and you know if anybody gets to do this like, i got wow. what an honor for us is and there's other team guys to be able to work on the film and try to represent as best we could you know Amazing. anyway yeah so that and then this the stunt director you know say you the guy good buddy of mine i don't actually look for that work up there i like 
they just I go, do oh, my yeah. own thing. And so he hit me up. He's like, hey, you know, working on starting Avatar 2. I know I've, I've been in touch with Jim Cameron a little bit here and there back in the day. So I went up there and Jim's like, hey, what's up? You know, he wants to stick around and advise. And I was like, well, I got to say no to Jim. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I've been working with him on that and then doing some stunts. And then he said, well, since you're here, I'm going to make you play a role. So I'm a bad nice. guy. I'm a 10 foot tall Andy Arabito looking bad guy awesome. in the movie too. That is awesome. When did something like up. that come out? Um, Avatar, well, three has been filmed a little yeah. bit. Two, you know, is being worked on right now. They're overseas, New Zealand filming. Oh, wow. And then hopefully it'll be done this year. It's already being worked on, edited, I'm sure. Like they're editing once they're just filming, you know, it's constant. So nice. hopefully beginning of next year. Awesome. You know, and then I think. Do you have uh, any more work on that or is that? Yeah, uh, I, we'll see. I might be heading overseas to like Fiji. We'll do some stuff. We'll see. That'd be nice. Nice. You know, that but awesome. that'll, that'll come back, you know, do some reshoots. Three will be work on. I'm sure there'll be more after that. You know, to be worked on. So, that's you know, that guy is really amazing to work for. Yeah. He wants. To, he, his brother was a prior marine. Oh, wow. Jim Cameron's brother. Okay. Uh, he was an O, and he really wants. You know, did some directors you got to sit there and wait for them to ask. He's like, tell me what needs to be done to make it look better. You know, how many people would be in this helicopter faster? Nice. What's the verbiage here? You know, would you do this? Would you wear this? You know, how would you do this? So he's really, he wants to be that technical, you know, you can only do so much in a film for advising, you know, but it's been really amazing working on that. It's been fun. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome, brother. Well, let's wrap it up because we got a lot to do here at SHOT Show. And nope. uh, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, everything you've done for me and my family personally. Man, and uh, for everything you've done for the for the nation. So yep. Um, love you, brother. Thanks love so much for everything. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Six Hour. Check out what Andrew Arabito has going on at halffaceblades.com. Follow along on Instagram at halffaceblades and also spec operator. You can go and order my next novel, In the Blood, right now. And I sincerely appreciate everyone who does that. It comes out in May of 2022 but those pre-orders sure do help. So in the blood, available for pre-order. You can also jump on officialjackcar.com, sign up for the newsletter, check out the reading lists, check out the blog posts, see everything that I have going on there. Zip over to jackcarusa.com for the merch and follow along on the social channels at jackcarusa. Thank you so much for joining me. Until the next time, take care, stay safe, be strong, keep fighting. In case you missed it, on a recent episode of Danger Close, an Ironclad original, Jack Carr sat down with former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard. Set aside all the labels, mm. you know, oh, well, because I've been getting asked this a lot, like, well, are you left or are you right? Are you progressive or are you conservative? What are box you... do you fit in? Which exactly, box do you check? Completely. Are you an enemy and, or right, right. An How, uh, Like, what filter should I use when I'm looking at you? And, like, I've always been an independent-minded person. Mm. Always. Be sure to check out the full interview wherever you get your podcasts.